Welcome to Top Dealer Podcast, the show where we talk innovative and disruptive automotive dealer strategies from around the world with some of the leading general managers and owners of dealerships and help you understand what you can do today to future-proof your business and to go to the next level. I'm Dave Benson and our co-host is Glenn Lundy. Ready for strategies? Let's tune in. This week's episode is sponsored by Carloan.com. If your dealership is looking to grow its special finance department, Interactive Financial Marketing's Carloan.com lead program will do exactly that. They're the largest generator of organic, exclusive leads in the automotive industry, spending around a million dollars per month in PPC. Tell them the Hustle & Grind team sent you for pricing that you will love. Check out their website at www.interactivefmg.com. We have the pleasure of interviewing Trevor Guile, who's the general manager of Motor Cars Honda in Cleveland, Ohio. His father, Chuck Guile, uh, is part of the business as well, as well as his brother, Matt, the general manager of Motor Cars. And we've got the privilege of talking to Trevor today, today to talk about how he has and his dealership has disrupted the marketplace. Uh, Their dealership and uh, Trevor and the family have been nominated for Time Dealer of the Year 2019. They've also been awarded 40 Under 40 by Automotive News 2018. Also the Dealer of the Future by World Shopper in 2017. They're the first carbon neutral dealer in the world, uh, announced by BP Global in 2016. They have also won copious of other awards, including Ohio Honda Dealer of the Year and Ohio Business of the Year. I want to welcome to the program, Trevor Guile. How are you, my friend? Great. Thanks for having me, Dave. I'm excited uh, to be a part of this. You guys are doing some amazing things. It's a pleasure, pleasure, pleasure to meet you and jump on here. And I'm excited to hear more about the, uh, I, I know you've been doing some really creative things over at your dealership. I'm excited to hear more about those today. Yeah, absolutely, Glenn. Um, so, let's rip right in. Then let's talk. Let, let's talk about some specific things that you're doing. You know, I know that before we we started recording, that you were telling us like some of the things that you're doing. You know, to disrupt the marketplace that are not the conventional sales and service uh, stuff that normal dealers do. What's some of those things that you're doing right now, Trevor? Well, I, I think it kind of first went back to about eight years ago. We decided that the industry was changing. Uh, the front-end gross profit in new and used cars wasn't going to go up. Um, the, the visits for service was drastically going down. I mean, we used to see every customers every three months, 3,000 miles. We were seeing them now once every year, uh, maybe. And so we got really concerned what the dealership was going to look like long-term. And we started looking at other revenue streams uh, that we could capitalize. And we looked at the number of people that we had coming through our dealership. And we said, if we think outside the box a little bit, we might be able to find ways to grow. And, and so we started looking. The first one we looked at was one of our biggest expenses we had was car washes. It was a bottleneck where the average person uh, we were washing their car was six minutes to 15 minutes. Our employees were tied up. It was a subpar wash, and it really wasn't a benefit that it used to be. And so we decided to build a, a car wash off the premise to, instead of doing an in-bay wash, do a tunnel wash, an 85-footer. And after uh, a few years, we started realizing what we were doing. Uh, we started uh, noticing that 70% of the people coming through the wash were new customers that were able to retarget, remarket with different mail pieces. And so we were able to cut back our, our marketing expense with it. Uh, and now, since then, we've, uh, in the past eight years, my brother and I have built uh, three other washes. Uh, and we've got them now where the, the, um, 
they're the second most uh, profitable department by uh, many of the manufacturers ahead of new car department, use, uh, buy shop, and even service. And the, the crazy thing is that we do it with only two employees per shift. Uh, so it's something that uh, makes it a lot easier for us to be efficient. Uh, it doesn't take a lot of our time and we're able to uh, recycle 70, 60 to 70% of the water and we've gotten just amazing feedback from our guests. And so that was one of the main ones we did. And then we started looking at some other avenues. Uh, we had, back when the airbag recalls happened, we had a loaner fleet of roughly um, 35 to 40 always. And we had to jump up to over 100 pretty much overnight. And what that did is created huge chaos for us because we had cars everywhere and we were losing a bunch of money. Uh, and so we decided to refocus and build uh, a software to help us manage it. And so once we got it down to about 40 cars, we were able to get our software in place that focused on two things or three main things. We wanted it so simple that less than seven minutes to make and learn how to use it. And then we wanted the ability to um, focus on managing our people and our product. We felt that if we could do that, then that would help us trim our fleet down. And it's one of those things that every vehicle was costing us about 500 bucks a month. And so in less than um, 90 days, we were able to get, take it from 40 to uh, 12 vehicles. And so during that time period, or over like a 15 month time period, I think that saved us uh, over $90,000 uh, in company vehicle expense and so it's one of those things that we just started wanting to control our expenses but also find the other revenue streams to capitalize because we looked at there were enterprise companies and other ones that we were um, outsourcing and paying them to do it so we figured if we built the right uh, system why couldn't we do that um, on there and so it's just all tied to things that were leaking out and other businesses that we were f uh, feeding and fueling i love how when the problems popped up instead of dwelling on the problems instead of feeling a victim to the problems which i've seen a lot in the auto industry people are always blaming you know the airbag recalls for example that you just used people are always blaming the manufacturer they're blaming someone else versus just saying okay this is the situation that we've got and what is an outside the box solution which all of those solutions that you just mentioned, that's all outside the box start, you know, type thinking. Okay, we've got this problem, let's create our own software for it. Are you kidding me? Okay, we've got this problem, let's go offsite, let's let's uh, open up car washes, we'll solve it that way. Like beautiful outside the box thing. Love when a company like yours it doesn't take the victim mindset and instead innovates and creates. That's very impressive. Well, thank you. I mean, you think of most times when business is going down, it's going up somewhere else. And so how do we capitalize on that? And um, we've been lucky to work with my, my father and he's allowed us to fail and try opportunities. And so uh, now we we feel like we've really hit the ground running and it's opened up a lot of doors and, and financial success for us. It's fantastic. And Trevor, you were telling me um, that you also have started a marketing company. Now, and these, these things, ideas are not, uh, you know, they're outside the box, but I believe your marketing company, tell us a little bit about it. It's on the edge of the box. Sure. Yeah. The name is called Edge of the Box, but it, it started, um, we were the, going through a process to, to become the first carbon neutral dealer in the world. And I was working with BP Global and I, I told them that we were going to create a marketing company to be able to handle the world launch on it because they were concerned about doing the US because they were based in the UK. And so after 15 phone calls that they finally agreed to it. And um, so I'm like, all right, well, I've got to create this marketing department. And this uh, younger guy came, came in and he was pitching his company to handle our, all of our social media, website maintenance. And after I heard his pitch, I'm like, what does this guy make? He's not an owner. I said, well, 
how about this? Why don't you leave your company and we'll start our own marketing company and I'll give you some percents of it. And he looked at me and said, are you serious? And I'm like, I don't know. I think so. And then sure enough, two years later, <laughs> um, we just uh, did, started doing some consulting for some major companies uh, uh, out there for uh, world launch of green products because we were in that market. And then it expanded to partnering uh, with some other companies that uh, white label our product where we handle all the, the problems that they don't want with the quick responses, the, the web blast. Uh, and, and so it's just opened up doors now that we every year we've been uh, doubling and now we have over 60 dealerships and we're projecting this next year to add another 60 plus on it. And uh, we built some software for that to manage uh, to make it easier process that our employees can uh, handle a lot more uh, dealers and provide higher quality and, uh, with it. So it's something that uh, every time something goes, we, we kind of go with the Kaizen, always constantly improving and create a, a better way to do the same thing with with less parts or, or better processes. Because we feel like that it's the times are changing and we got to be willing to adapt. But we and the, some of the, the markets we go after, I mean, people kind of talk to us and think we're crazy at times for, for getting expanded out. But we, we feel that uh, the ones we're taking on are kind of more the, the non sexy ones that nobody else is looking at that mm -hmm. uh, lower uh, competition, low employee count that we're able to on the ROI and, and so that's what kind of attracted us to all these different markets but it took us a while to figure out but um, I, we, we feel really comfortable in these areas now. It's incredible man how does your um, staff I talk about this sometimes uh, when I was running the incumbents we kind of talked about what it's like there's two you've got different types of dealerships out there right so you've mm -hmm. got the dealerships that are comfortable uh, stale might be a word that I use, you know, they're kind of getting by and that has a, a trickle effect on all of the employees. So how, how has all of this innovation, when they see you guys building new things and creating new ideas, how has that trickled down and affected the culture in your store? Sure. Good question. Um, we were <clears throat> kind of had no idea what, what was going to happen. Uh, we knew that we had a bunch of good employees, um, but we, we, we kind of went with um, a lot of the millennials look for socially acceptable, eco-friendly uh, businesses. And so we felt that if we were uh, focusing on those and making it available for people to know who we were and actively working to be a part of the community, that we were going to be able to track a, a different uh, employee. And so right now, I think it's about 54% uh, of our employees are millennials. And a lot of yes, our has kind of changed to uh, be the, the younger with it because when you're constantly looking to reinvent ways, your employees got to join you. And, and we've got an amazing staff that has helped us do that. Um, but we've had some turnovers and we had to be comfortable to know that that 15 year employee that's been with us might not be the one that's going to take us there. And we had to be willing to, uh, accept that and move forward with it. And so it, it, sometimes it was tough, but uh, it, was, it was the right decision that we had to make. And uh, we found that there's a lot of support in our in, in the community. Like uh, we do a program with um, our local uh, county where uh, we, we help um, kids that are 18 to 24 year old uh, that are looking for jobs. The county has like millions of dollars set aside to help uh, provide uh, locations for them to work. And so we've got a program where every month uh, they bring about six to nine uh, um, 18, 24-year-olds that will work for us for 30 days for free. And then if we want to hire them, uh, there's incentives if we create career paths uh, with them uh, that they can use where they, they'll reimburse us up to uh, every dollar raised they'll reimburse us uh, for if we're doing training on there. And so we found ways to kind of cut the cost and bring in some more of these younger generations while giving back to the community.
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So many, uh, you know, outside of the box stuff. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about that, that disruption to the marketplace, those innovative ideas. Sounds like you've got a, a, a plethora of ideas that I'm sure you, you're working on right now uh, uh, for the next 12 months. Could I ask you about, you know, disruption and, you know, the next, the next couple of years in the automotive industry, what do you see as the big challenges that face that will face every dealership right across the world, but, you know, specifically in your neck of the woods, what are the big challenges that will face and disrupt the market and how can we be ready for those? Sure. Uh, Dave, I think the biggest one is the unknown. I mean, everybody's afraid of what's going to happen. There's so many different outside factors from autonomous cars to electric um, to not knowing what's going to happen. The, the big groups buying the little groups that I think for us is we're finding things that doesn't really matter to them like car washes, the managing your loaner fleet, the, the marketing company. These are things that aren't like factors that even play into that. Because um, if anything, the car washes are going to excel because with autonomous cars, uh, the sensors on there, those are going to have to watch constantly for the liability. And so having fast, efficient car washes are going to be more important. And so that was one way we kind of combat that. But I think that's a, um, it's, it's going to be a, a while till that completely takes over. I think there's a lot of factors and there's 270 million cars on the road and uh so i think it's something that um, dealers are going to be afraid of but i don't think it's something that uh necessarily is rocket change in the market right away um i think the interesting thing is for the electric cars that one's going to come in faster the manufacturers are pushing that a lot harder and i just was reading something i think it said like there's twenty thousand parts in a, a traditional um, engine versus an electric engine there's like 20 parts uh, on there and when those need to get fixed they're just going to be sent back and so some of the, the, the service the dealerships are going to do the more advanced service isn't going to be there and so we're going to find ways to lower the expense of employees or find the expensive person to work in order to make it work uh, long term wise it's crazy man it's crazy to even think about something like that man 200 parts down to 20 and then they're just replaceable. Talk about, I mean, what's it going to look like? Yeah. I mean, what is what is what is that going to look like? You know, twenty years from now. Uh, that's that that's some interesting. That's some thought provoking stuff right there, my man. I love how your brain works. There's a, another kind of thing that really kind of rock you is that um, we had a, a recall that needed to get done, but there wasn't a fix for it yet. And so we called the manufacturer, and the manufacturer said, "Don't worry, by the time the person gets home." Uh, it'll update when it, it'll connect to their Wi-Fi. And so the visit that we traditionally would have a, a comeback for um, a recall, the car was getting fixed at their house through Wi-Fi. Would you say as a, as a dealer um, as a dealer group with yourself and your father and your brother involved that you're, that you're worried about the future from a dealer point of view or, you know, you're just looking at it as, as something that you've just got to you know, look at multiple streams like what you're doing? I, I think... Um, <clears throat> When the internet first came, everybody feared that. When the, the, the radio came, everybody feared that. And so it's one of those things that if we don't fear it and we find where the opportunity is, we'll thrive. And that's the thing is that um, some dealers are at Excel and others aren't on there. And I think if you if you run too scared, then uh, that's gonna hurt you. If you ignore it, uh, you're, you're gonna, the ones that are gonna struggle are the ones that ignore it. Uh, so we just kind of take what we can control and, and look for other solutions to improve it. And, uh, and in our younger years, we, we kind of learned that we were too far out and we had to dial back in. And, and that's where I think the past 
eight years, we've, we've really uh, started feeling more comfortable with change. I want to ask you about, um, you know, the community. And, you know, you said that you're doing lots of things in the community. You know, what over, uh, over this period, you know, when we're recording this is the, the Christmas period, there's a lot of uh, opportunity out there in the, in the community. What sort of some of the things that you guys have been doing outside of, you know, things that benefit you with, uh, with the employees and stuff like that? What are you doing to give back to the community? Sure. So one of the biggest ones we do is, is tied to um, the police and firefighters. If uh, police or firefighters killed in the line of duty, uh, we donated over $100,000 uh, in the past couple of years uh, to help them, uh, their families go to school, uh, provide wherever they need to. And so I think that's one of the things they protect us. We want to give back to them. Uh, we do stuff with an event called Flashes of Hope that when kids are going through cancer, um, the, they capture pictures of them for the families to remember positive moments, and uh, that's a huge one we donate a lot to. Uh, we do a lot with the hospitals. Um, uh, we've, we're the, my dad sits on a board. Uh, we've chaired events uh, for them that raised up to, uh, the event we chaired uh, last year uh, raised over $2.5 million uh, for a one-night event on there. Um, other ones raise over 100000 uh, We do a lot with the local businesses to help them survive. And so it's something that and it's, it's got to be across the board. And we don't do any uh, paper, television, or radio. Uh, so we do only uh, do more of the progressive uh, marketing and giving back to the community because we feel like that money we can, we can see long-term success with as opposed to just putting that out there. Uh, we want to be viewed as not your traditional dealership. I love that, man. And I think it's interesting, you know, we talk about all of the – changes in the industry, all of the things, you know, technology and how that's affecting industry and thinking outside the box. But there's one thing that never changes and that's giving back and helping others, giving back, helping others, helping the community, pouring into them. I've always, that's just always been, you know, the, the same that always, that's always where you reap the most benefits. But I do want to go back and touch on, you had mentioned your millennial workforce um, in there and you'd also mentioned your 15 year employee. Uh, we also had a massively, you know, millennial workforce and kind of had to change the way that we work with them and things have to be eco-friendly and, and have a bigger, a bigger purpose uh, with your millennials. Let's talk about that 15 year employee though. Cause one thing I've noticed is these millennials, yes, they're, they, they love the creativity. They love the technology. They want to feel like they're a part of something bigger, but then I also see them dreaming big dreams kind of outside of the walls of the dealership. It's kind of hard to keep them more than, you know, three, four years to keep them really, really interested. Do you think the 15 year employees are dead? No, absolutely not. I think the, it's kind of like uh, one of the, well, let me back up. So one of the big, biggest misconceptions we've seen about millennials is that they're tech savvy. They're, they're actually, we feel tech dependent. Uh, they've grown up with the phones, but they don't know how to fix them. Uh, their iPad uh, goes wrong. They don't know how to, to solve it, a majority of the ones. And so finding the people that are, are, are willing to adapt and have adapt over the years are, are great. I mean, we still have a lot of long-term employees that we wouldn't, we would never want to part ways with, but they've kind of bought into the system and the beliefs and the philosophy that have. And as long as people, uh, if you share your vision and they're on the same page, then it doesn't matter what age they are. But the, one of the biggest things we did see with the, with the millennials is that they do they look more for career paths than anybody else and um and, and i think it's millennials but i think it also even goes further to everybody else i mean i think uh, millennials have kind of gotten a bad rep for uh job hopping and, and looking for the best things but if you look at it's 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 pretty much every employee and a lot of that has to do with the ability to find jobs it's so much easier for people to find uh, positions out there and so it i think 
tierships and businesses got to extend the treat millennials almost the same way as the other ones and, and start trying to find career paths. And what we've had success with uh, the hiring is we've tried to put um, people that in, start in the ballet position and then move them up very fast uh, up the ladder. And so like last year we had, I think, uh, six or seven people that start off as valet uh, that moved up to head valet, to express text, to service advisors, salesperson, business development center, because people like to feel like they're growing and in, uh, in their childhoods, they, they kind of constantly won awards and different things. And so they're used to kind of uh, feeling appreciative. And if you don't give that back to them, then that's where the turnover happens. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Um, I believe it was Brad Wise. I was talking with Brad Wise, and he has a plan that he maps out as soon as he hires on day one. He shows his millennial employees all of the steps they have to take to get to GM position. They start off and they start off in one and, you know, if you do this for a year and then you can do this and he literally maps out their entire career path for them. And he's had a lot of success with that. I think it's really important to show, you know, the end game to keep them going through the day to day. So Trevor, I want to ask you one last question. And that is uh, a question that we're going to ask every uh, episode um, of this podcast. It's so important. If you could, you know, the dealers that are listening, the salespeople, the general managers that are listening to uh, right now, if you could give them in one minute, a piece of advice, on what to be implementing, what to be looking at, how to keep their eyes open to innovation and to disruption, what would you say to the audience? Listen to Hustle and Grind. I think it's no joke. I think it's to find uh, places that you get information that there are successful dealers that are expanded outside the business because we take our best ideas from other companies and uh, we, we feel that if somebody else is successful, why can't we do it? And we've got this captive audience of, of thousands of people that are coming through. What, else, what other ways can we capitalize on that? And like our rainforest car washes has probably been one of the best things that we've done in industry. And it's been the best turnover. We're, we're now putting them next to our competition, putting the washes in uh, there and expanding other areas. So I just encourage dealers to just keep on doing research and look at where people are being successful. It's great. I love what you said about, uh, about thinking outside of the industry as well. There's so many great ideas out there and uh, you know, the world isn't short of great ideas, it's short on execution. And I love the fact that we've got to not just talk to somebody that's been nominated for time dealer of the year, what an honor, uh, but, and, and have so many awards and so many, uh, things going for you, but somebody that is executing on things really quickly. And I, I love to hear some of those stories. So congratulations, Trevor, all the uh, very best with uh, the next 12 months. And I'm looking forward to hearing uh, what's next. Could you give us a, give us a little snippet? What's, what's next? What's a project you're working on right now? So the biggest thing is this, uh, at NADA, we'll be launching the, the franchise concept to help dealers go through the process where our marketing team will handle all the marketing, uh, the launch and, and moving forward. Uh, we've already been locked down by the, one of the top companies where we'll be a distributor for chemicals, for equipment, because it, it's very difficult for dealerships to get in there. We, it, we, it took us eight years of failing to be successful on it, but we've done it now three times. So we want to help other dealers be successful with that um, and our software. We, we feel like those are going to be the next things for our next chapter in us is take our success model and, and expand it in the auto industry. I love, I love that you're using your, uh, your thoughts, your ideas, and your technology to help other dealers as well. I think a lot of people you know, still have that step on everybody's throat mindset. 
And I love people that are eradicating that. So bravo to you to not just keeping it between your four walls and expanding that out and making a difference in this industry. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. I mean, we need dealerships to survive. I mean, they're a huge part of the community and a huge part of, uh, of everybody's success. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Top Dealer. Make sure you go and visit our website, thesaleshustlers.com for all the other episodes. And I look forward to seeing you on next week's episode.